We all have those places in our lives where we do things differently from other people or have different opinions from the people around us, right? Maybe you're one of those weirdos who likes ketchup on their eggs like my mom. (laughs) Or maybe it's something bigger and more important, something having to do with faith or politics or gender identity, where your ideas, actions, and beliefs may not always be embraced by those around you. Now, some people have no problem owning their ideas and opinions, even the ones that go against the grain, but many of us tend to shelter those parts of ourselves from view when we're not with people we know agree with us. We're not particularly interested in starting an argument or being judged or having to defend ourselves. Today, I want to talk about one of those things in my life. Now, don't get too excited. It's nothing super juicy. It has to do with the way that I run part of my photography business. But it's one of those things that when it comes up in conversation with other photographers, I often find my opinion all by itself in the corner. So why am I broadcasting this opinion that I have mostly been quiet about in the past? Well, because I think it's a really important topic that needs more discussion. And whether or not this is an issue that you've already encountered in your business, it's one that you'll likely come across sooner rather than later. And if my hunch is correct, it's going to be coming up more and more frequently as time goes on. Today, I'm talking about privacy and why I put a price on it for my clients. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Recently, I found myself going down the rabbit hole of a photography Facebook group thread where the original poster asked a question about how she should handle a client who didn't want her photos shared anywhere. The author of the post was a pretty new photographer, and she was really excited about the session that she had and how she believed it was going to help boost her portfolio. And although she had had the client sign a contract and the contract included a model release, after the fact, the client said that she hadn't read that part and told the photographer that she wasn't comfortable with her family's images being posted online. Raise your hand if you've been in that spot. (laughs) I know I definitely have. It's a tricky situation, right? Legally, because the client signed a contract with a model release, this photographer has every right to use those photos. But as soon as the client stated her wishes to the contrary, the photographer was forced into that frustrating conundrum where she had to balance what was legally allowed against what was good for business and ethically sound. That Facebook thread was hundreds of posts long. And it took me right back to the days when I had a newborn son and people were constantly asking about my choice around circumcision while loudly proclaiming their own medical and ethical reasons for or against. Talk about a minefield. And just like my postpartum hormone-addled self, this photographer seemed genuinely cowed that she'd even brought the subject up as the posts got more and more self-righteous. By and large, the response was that the photographer should respect the client's wishes and lock those images away in some kind of never-to-be-shared vault. If she wanted to build her portfolio, she should instead offer free photos to people who were willing to sign a release for all the images to be shared. 
And that is certainly one way to handle the situation. But in my opinion, it's really unfair. When you sign a contract with just about anyone in any business, a rental agreement, say, or a phone company, and then later down the road, you realize part of what you've agreed to doesn't line up with what you want, one of two things has happened. Either A, you didn't read the contract in the first place and therefore didn't know ahead of time what you were agreeing to, or B, you initially agreed with the terms at the time that you signed the contract, but have since reconsidered for some reason or another. In either case, this is what my high school history teacher would have called a personal problem. So according to a solid majority of the photographers weighing in on the thread that I was reading, when this photographer's client came to her with the client's personal problem, the photographer was just supposed to tear up the original contract and gift the client a new one, minus the model release. That's pretty darn generous. And although I'm all about generosity, in this particular case, I would go so far as to call that course of action bad business. But let me back up and tell you my own strategy, where it came from, and why I think it's better. Once upon a time, when I was just getting started as a photographer, I got a phone call from a potential client who had been given my name by a friend and was calling about maternity photos for her first child. We got on the phone, and I clearly remember how nervous I felt when we got around to talking about prices because I had just taken a business course and created my new pricing structure, which was quite high for my area. It was one of those situations where I half expected her to laugh or hang up on me. But she didn't. She signed my contract, and in fact, she ended up booking my four-session baby plan that included a maternity session and three more sessions over the baby's first year. That plan represented close to $5,000 in promised income, which was way more than I had ever made from a single client at that point. And I was super excited. <laughs> then a couple of weeks before that maternity session, I got a call from the client saying that they had just bought a new house and so the location for the shoot was changing. Now, I would be lying if I told you I hadn't already poked around online to see where their house was, since I was obviously pretty curious about this new client of mine, but the original house was in a very unassuming area of town. The new house, though, definitely not in an unassuming neighborhood. It turned out that right around the time that this couple got pregnant with that baby, they came into a very large amount of money, and they quickly went from people with a normal budget to people for whom almost no amount of money at all would be an issue. So I didn't really know the whole backstory at that point, but I rolled up to their very fancy house and met these very nice people and made what turned out to be some of my very favorite maternity photos, certainly at the time, but truly, in some cases, they were some of my very favorite maternity photos ever. And as you can imagine, I got home, I got them off my camera onto my computer, I started going through them, and I could not have been more excited about what this meant for my portfolio. Not only was this going to be this amazing maternity session that I was going to be able to share, but I knew that I had at least three more sessions with them, and I could just, you know, I started envisioning what this was going to mean for my business. I was sure that I had tapped into a referral network that dreams are made of. And I believed that my architectural digest style photos <laughs> that I was able to make because they had this beautiful home 
that was really going to help solidify my claim on the higher rates that I had just started charging. But after they got their maternity photos back, I got an awkward email from the husband telling me that he didn't want me to share their photos. And a few of the photos had been some, you know, like nude maternity stuff. And so I wrote back and was like, oh, no, I would never share those photos. And he wrote back and was like, no, I don't want any of our photos shared at all. He didn't really give any reason for it, though, given their financial situation, I sort of could have guessed at why. But as you can imagine, I was devastated. This wasn't just that single session, right? It was a year's worth of of images of my perfect Bluebird clients that would have to be kept completely hidden. And because I was a new business person and because I was dedicated to good customer service and would never intentionally make a client uncomfortable, even though they had signed my contract with my model release, I wrote back and said, don't worry about it. I respect your privacy. I won't share any of these photos. And of course, I did respect their privacy, just like I respect all of my clients' privacy. But now, nine years and close to 20 sessions later with that same family, I really, really wish that I had handled that whole situation differently. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, You can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. You guys have heard me talk before about how the best thing that can come out of a problem or an issue that you have with a client is a new policy, right? It didn't take me long after this happened to formulate a plan on how I was going to handle privacy requests in the future in a way that was 100% respectful of my clients' wishes, but also encouraged them to consider what was really important to them in such a way that we could strike a balance between their wishes and my need to share work in order to get business. So what is this policy? (laughs) Let's go ahead and break that down. First and foremost, my baseline policy is anonymity. I share photos freely, but I never use names, first or last. I never tag anyone, and I'm careful to avoid putting information out on social media that would be identifying or help someone track a child or a family down beyond the fact that they probably live somewhere in a 30-mile radius um, of my location. Basically, you'd have to know the person or family in my photo beforehand to have any idea who they are. Second, I don't share any images that I believe would make my client uncomfortable in any way without explicit permission. So I get boudoir 
clients every once in a while and I talk to them about that um, very, you know, clearly beforehand. I take breastfeeding photos constantly, but I don't share many of those and I only share them when I have permission from the client. Ditto photos that include any, you know, photos of kids without clothing on or anything like that. And even photos where I maybe have caught a parent making a face that I think is funny, but that I see might be one of those where they feel self-conscious about having it out in public. So I try to make sure that my feed is filled with photos that my clients are proud to have featured. Third, I'm really careful about what I post in the captions of my images. So I'm not going to post something political, for instance, under a photo of someone else's child or family. It's not that I keep those opinions or those views entirely to myself all the time. I do share personal stories. I do share my personal views. I think it's important to infuse yourself into your social media in order to connect with people and connect with the right people. But I don't think it's appropriate to necessarily put someone else's child's face in a picture that's associated with a caption that reads in any way that might make that parent or that person uncomfortable. So when it comes to my clients' photos, I keep my captions mostly positive, whether they're sentimental or funny or inspirational. And if I do want to get more personal, I post a photo of my own kids or of myself or of something other than people, like a travel photo or something like that. So... Why are those three things important? Why do I keep my Instagram feed anonymous, mostly G-rated, and in some ways, and some people might argue, a little bit generic? I'll tell you this. (laughs) It's definitely not to win any contests for the most followers. That is certainly true. But although I fully understand that I might get more engagement and likes and all the things you're supposed to focus on to build a superpower social media feed... For my business and my Bluebird clients, my much higher priority is establishing trust. Trust that my clients can remain anonymous, trust that the photos that I share will be beautiful and flattering, and trust that their child or children won't be pictured alongside words that don't sit right with them or their family. And that long-standing track record of trustworthy social media is my best friend when it comes to clients who are concerned about privacy. It's almost like a resume that shows that I am a trustworthy individual and have been for a long time. When a client wants to book with me or a potential client wants to book with me, as you probably know by now, one of the things that I always insist on is getting on the phone. And although I don't bring my privacy policy up unsolicited, I always ask what questions they have about my process, and sometimes questions about privacy come up. The other time that I get questions about privacy is when I send my booking materials to that potential client. My model release clause in my contract requires its own separate signature, which is by design because I want to ensure that everyone reads that and sees that they are signing a model release. And from time to time, Because people are reading that, I will get a call or an email from a prospective client who wants to talk more about what my privacy policy is. In either of those cases, when the subject comes up, I approach the question like I do any other question about my business, not defensively, which 
it would seem, according to these Facebook threads on this topic, that everyone imagines that if you're going to charge money for privacy, you're doing so by screaming at people that, you know, they're ruining your life by asking you to respect their privacy. That's not the way that I approach this. I approach it in an attempt to be helpful and provide clarity and ensure that they understand exactly what they can and cannot expect. I truly appreciate that they are interested and concerned. I respect their feelings and I'm happy to talk them through the policy that I've put in place in my business. So the first thing that I do is I talk them through what my standard privacy policy is that I've just told you about. I assure them that their names and their kids' names will never be shared, that I'm not going to tag them or give any identifying information, and that I am sure to keep any questionable photos private unless they give me explicit permission to share them. I then encourage them to revisit my Instagram feed to sort of see how that works in practice. For most people, that level of privacy takes care of their concerns, and they just go on and sign the contract as it is. But some people are interested in a higher level of privacy, whether because they work in a field where their personal privacy is particularly important or because they're concerned about the implications of facial recognition technology and data security and those kinds of things. And the thing is, I totally appreciate those concerns, and I take the time to tell them that. And then I explain, and again, this is without apology or any hint of defensiveness, that because my business is a visual one, and because my ability to find new business relies on my ability to share images, additional privacy measures are available, but they come at a premium. I then explain that I offer two extended privacy options. The first option adds a clause to the contract stating that no images that show faces can be shared online. So in other words, maybe there's a close-up of their baby's hands or feet, or maybe there's an image of their family from behind, or they're super far off and you can't see their faces. Those can be shared online, but the people in the photos are unidentifiable, such that their best friends could see the photo and not really know for sure whether it's them. To upgrade to that level of privacy, I double their session fee. The second option is complete privacy. So this is ultimately what I just gifted to the client that I was telling you about before. So this is where I take all of the photos from their session. I mark them in my server so that I can easily see which ones they are so I don't forget down the road and accidentally share something. And those photos essentially go in a vault. (laughs) They're never shared on any platform. They're not in my portfolio and no one will ever see them except if that client chooses to share them. In order to stipulate that level of privacy, the session fee triples. So those of you who know about my pricing with the simple sales system know that the session fee represents around a third of the minimum amount that I make in a session. And it's usually more like 20% of what someone ends up spending with me overall. So whereas adding more privacy isn't nothing, it's also not totally out of reach. At most, privacy increases my client's bottom line by 40 to 60%. And I settled on that pricing by design. I wanted to be sure that it was enough to really make people stop and think about whether these additional privacy measures were particularly important to them. 
important enough to put their money where their mouth was, right? And I wanted it to be enough that it was also going to take the sting out of not being able to share their photos for me because history, and now I've had many clients use this option, and history dictates that somehow those are almost always my favorite photos. I seem to really step up my game <laughs> when privacy is, is going to be an issue. On the other hand, I didn't want my prices to be so high for those levels of privacy that it would be a hard stop. If somebody is truly committed to privacy for whatever reason, but also really wants to work with me, they can still afford to. And every year I have five to 10 clients who go with one of my advanced privacy contracts. And as always, I wanted to make this as simple and easy to understand as possible. There are just those two options, three, if you count the standard level of privacy that I build into my normal pricing. And they increase the cost of the session fee by two or three times respectively. It's not some sort of number out of the sky. It's very easy to communicate about. If I had that policy set up and ready to go when the client's husband first reached out, I can almost guarantee that one of two things would have happened. Either I would have been able to share a lot of really beautiful photos in my portfolio over the years, or I would have made like a few mortgage payments worth of additional revenue over the last 10 years. What I don't believe would have happened is that I would have lost that client. People are used to paying more for extras, whether it's adding avocado to their sandwiches or upgrading to better seats on their flights. And giving people clear, reasonable options is not only respectful of their wishes and their privacy, it also bolsters the trust that I have worked so hard to achieve. It shows that I have a well-thought-out, well-delineated policy that was created specifically to accommodate them, to accommodate people with their same needs. It shows that I take my business seriously, and for someone who is highly concerned about privacy, I think that's going to give them greater comfort. I think that if someone is really worried about the security of their images and their privacy, they're going to appreciate working with a photographer who has thought this out, who has, you know, created a system where they're being compensated and the people's wishes are being respected and can sort of lay that out very quickly and easily for them. Now, obviously, I won't say that my policy is the right policy for every photographer, nor does it necessarily make sense for everyone to charge extra for additional privacy. In particular, I understand that, you know, boudoir photographers might need to build those costs into their basic pricing rather than making it an add-on. But I do think that every photographer these days needs to have a well-thought-out plan for how to handle privacy requests. And for the sake of your business, I would strongly encourage you to consider that although people have a right to privacy when it comes to hiring a photographer, it's not at all unreasonable that they be asked to pay more to keep their images completely private. After all, how would they have hired you if they had never been able to see a portfolio of your images that they liked? And this brings me to one final point. 
I mentioned that most of the people responding in that thread suggested that the photographer who posted the original post grant free privacy to her paid client, then offer free sessions to families willing to allow her to share their images. Not only do I take issue with the idea that you have to do free work just to be able to share it, I think that whole suggestion is pretty hypocritical. That argument states that privacy is a right and that you can't put a value on it. But then it clearly puts a value on it by asking someone to give up privacy in lieu of payment for a session. Ultimately, I'm much more comfortable suggesting that the people who have enough money to afford my services in the first place consider paying more for additional privacy rights than I am telling someone who perhaps isn't able to afford my services that I'll work with them, but only if they're willing to give up the right to privacy. That, to me, feels like pressuring someone who is in a vulnerable position. I recognize that this is not a widely held position, and so my hope is that today's episode gives you some food for thought. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.